You wanted me. Here I am. I wanted to see what you'd do. And you didn't disappoint. You let five people die. Then, you let Dent take your place. Even to a guy like me, that's cold. Where's Dent? Those mob fools want you gone so they can get back to the way things were. But I know the truth. There's no going back. You've changed things. Forever. Then why do you want to kill me? <laughs> I don't, don't want to kill you. What would I do without you? Go back to ripping off mob dealers? No, no. No. No, you. You complete me. God, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would reason you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. And I'm Matt. And this is episode number 50, The Dark Knight. Uh, so, pretty historic moment in the greatest moments in the history of forever. Yes, that's right. Not only is it our 50th episode, but January 21st of 2016, basically a year ago, Matt. Yeah. We launched the greatest moments in the history of forever by delivering unto the world five episodes, five debut episodes. Oh yeah, all at once. I should put in like some like fireworks sound effects here. <laughs> it was quite a um, bold introduction into the world. <laughs> Slash <of> mistake. <laughs> we needed to shit out those five turds. Yeah, we got them right out there because <laughs> it took us, you know. A good 10 to 12 episodes to really, you know, figure out what we were doing. So I would say 45 episodes. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> um, so when we do, like, a clip show of, like, the year one in review, will that be called The Greatest Moments of the Greatest Moments in the History of Forever? Yes. Okay. So be on the look for that. <laughs> <laughs> a clip show. Um, the time capsule. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, we made quite a big deal out of our 25th episode and we've kind of let this one we've just crawled into this 50th yeah and the truth is i think that we didn't know what the fuck to do well no i think we've matured i think it's just we've reached a point now where we're ready to go where we know there's going to be hundreds more yeah i mean we're just firing on all cylinders exactly We're, we're doing episode 50 Episode 51 will be next week. I ordered way we- more stickers. I'm going to be reaching out to people, sending them out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we- life goes on. We don't have time to dwell no, on anything We anymore. don't celebrate a stupid episode just because it ends in a zero or a five. Well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see when we get to episode 100. Oh, yeah. We don't stand on ceremony. Well, we'll uh, actually, we should start pre-promoting episode 100 right now <laughs> that's true get ready 50 more folks I'm and sure things are really gonna take off episode 100 on the list right 
No, I don't. Oh, but maybe maybe tonight. Well, that'll be fun. Big Friday night. Um. So yeah, as Matt said, he's got stickers. He handles all that. So talk to him. Yes, I love uh, interacting with the uh, Ass Clown community. Indeed, you do. <laughs> I, I, me, not I as much. Do it. Uh, you know, outside of the listeners of the show, even. <laughs> as always, follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on iTunes. And uh, give us a rating and review while you're over there. Um, we are now a, officially a five-star rated podcast, as we mentioned in the previous episode. And um, uh, <coughs> check out all our backlogged episodes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, we encourage you to check out all 50 episodes. Um, preferably skip the first few. Yeah, not necessarily all 50. And but if you do listen to those, please... Uh, be kind and don't mention that in the reviews. <laughs> um, and also, we would really appreciate it if you tell your friends to listen. Um, you know, it might lead to some awkward conversations if you tell family members, but we would appreciate, you know. Why our... is that one dude so obsessed with incest? <laughs> and why would you recommend this show to me? I'm your sister. Um, no, I mean, we're very happy. With the amount of listeners that we have, but oh, we could always yeah. welcome more into the Ass Clown family. Oh yeah, we um, want to do meetups eventually. <laughs> the Ass Clown family, and right. then we can talk about having sex with them if they're part of our family. <laughs> um, we just introduced. Give us a second. It's kind of it's really uh, getting some traction. A new thing we're we're trying out. We have some ideas for some other things. Uh, some old standbys and favorites will be creeping up. As the weeks go by, uh, you know, we're always on the, we're always (laughs) looking to, you know, experiment, try new things, keep it fresh, switch it up. Uh, If you have some suggestions, you can tweet at us. I'll probably ignore them. Yeah, they're like a little bit less on the intros. (laughs) Well, this is our 50th episode. That's true. I really wanted to welcome people in the most... uh, familiar way possible um everyone's probably used to it by now right um okay what would the greatest moments in the history of forever do for their 50th episode big question it's a big question that people already know the answer to and it deserves a big answer and so for my money we picked potentially one of the best films of the last decade Oh yeah, and I would go so far as to say the best sequel of all time, right? And that would be the Dark Knight. And I would also go as far to say one of Matt's favorite in theater viewing experiences of all time, which, if you listen to the Scott Pilgrim episode, there's very few. <laughs> and it's certainly one of the most anticipated movies of our lifetimes, and one of those rare occurrences where it actually lives up to the anticipation. Oh yeah. Uh, so many times over the past few years, uh, a film has been anticipated on my part. Sucker and it's punch. Not really lived up to it. <laughs> I mean, granted, I was looking forward to um, some other episodes of the show that we've done, like uh, Spring Breakers, Jennifer's Body, and I love those movies. But like, obviously, you know, it doesn't take a film expert to understand that The Dark Knight's kind of in a different league. 
than those kind of things. Hey, and yeah, I think people would agree with that. What it's most well known for, maybe amongst you know its fans and and people that enjoy it, would be that it transcends the superhero film genre. Oh, and yeah. It's just an amazing film, right? On its own, without even factoring in the you know the idea that a couple of these characters are dressing up weird and <laughs> you know doing weird things or whatever. Yeah, uh, it's just a a great crime thriller. Um, people deciding not to have their faces repaired after they're horrifically damaged <laughs> pretty uh normal <laughs> pretty bold move <laughs> no painkillers either oh yeah it would I, I mean it would just be this excruciating oh, just screaming constantly it's just the exposed nerves um oh. we're talking about two-faced people in case you didn't figure that one out yeah the thing i want to start out with though uh is the end of batman begins the lead into the dark knight Perhaps one of the most exciting teases that I can remember from a movie, uh, as far as teasing out, you know, the oh, next yeah. film to come. Uh, the end of the film, Jim Gordon presents Batman with a uh, Joker card in an evidence bag, you know, leading to the obvious conclusion that the Joker will be coming up in the next film. And you kind of had that feeling like. All right, this movie was like pretty cool, but you can I think like one of the things that I felt when you see him hand him that Joker card is like okay, they clearly had bigger plans. Like we haven't seen everything they're going to be able to deliver us yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Basically, you know, in Batman Begins we get the Scarecrow and uh Raza Ghoul, two villains that had not appeared Vanilla. in yeah. uh either the Tim Burton or Joel Schumacher versions. We the, These were two previously unused villains, which seemed, you know, probably intentional. They did, They were rebooting the whole series. There needed to be some distance from that. <laughs> yeah, they were rebooting everything, but they didn't want to just repeat something that had been done, you know, recently. So they went with unused villains and... You know, part of the appeal of the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, obviously, is how they're grounded in realism. The gritty. Yeah. It's it's based in, like, a contemporary, realistic world that... You're constantly trying to figure out, like, is Bruce Wayne Patrick Bateman? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we... As a viewer, you're like, all right, this reminds me of an actual real time and place. Right. This is real. And even though some of the things that like the scarecrow does or some of the things that happens in Batman Begins aren't exactly realistic per se it's everything's grounded in a reality right and so the excitement obviously then is oh man i can't wait to see how they handle the it's not like we truly believe that Liam Neeson is in a group of ninja douchebags <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i mean what i'm saying is the excitement is then how does this realistic yeah, vision translate of, to the joker and it just what is the joker gonna look like thoughts. in this world and i mean that's what's funny about after the dark knight ended and people started to get really like carried away of like where this can go philip seymour hoffman playing the penguin like <laughs> the, the stuff that was being like robin williams is uh uh hugo strange yeah hugo strange i mean there were so many I different know. 
Uh, Angelina Jolie is Catwoman. Casting rumors going into uh, the Dark Knight Just Rises. Just like the idea, but yeah, it did, it did open that world of like, oh, where can this go? So the anticipation, obviously, for the Dark Knight was off the charts, and you know, unfortunately, part of that was um, the death of Heath Ledger before the film was released. Oh yeah, uh, shortly after you know he finished filming his parts for it, and. You know, obviously that sucks, but like it definitely played into oh, it had the aura like, surrounding yeah, just the film. like a darker feel to it, even yeah, because especially you know, because like you know, the news is portraying it as like oh, he may have overdosed on drugs because of his trouble sleeping of coping with playing this character. You know, <laughs> it was kind of like played that way. Well, yeah, like and a lot of the word you know coming off set was like Keith Ledger's unbelievable. This is like. A whole new Joker. It's unlike anything we've ever seen. Oh, yeah. it, he steals the show. Blah 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 blah. So then, you know, his untimely death. You know, a good six, seven months before the movie's released, kind of just adds to this fervor that was already going on, which is is kind of unique. Because I mean, granted, Batman Begins was a big success. Um, unlike you know where Batman was left prior by Joel Schumacher with you know Batman and Robin being kind of a disaster both commercially and critically just an all-time bad movie Batman Begins did very well I think uh, somewhere around 370 million or something like that which is pretty good chump change for this series yeah it would turn out to be chump change but that that's kind of my thing I mean it started out successful but reasonably so whereas like I I mean I, I don't have you know the exact kind of box office breakdown in front of me or anything but i would i would imagine <laughs> that the dark knight passed that within like a week or two yeah. i mean it was like it was insane yeah, think- and you know it didn't it certainly didn't hurt that the movie was fucking great like the reviews <laughs> were does, no. overwhelmingly positive and that it's it certainly became like this event like that was just referenced at the time of like what well, everyone is seeing this movie it's like it, Aside from maybe Star Wars, it's kind of like the last thing I can think of that it became like kind of a cultural event to see oh, yeah. this movie. Like it kind of. I mean, just I was consider like, this like our trilogy. You know, this is kind of like random, but I had a like uh, a bootleg downloaded of like brand new playing a show from like that time period when that like probably like that weekend that it came out or something and people turning the podcast off now (laughs) (laughs) and just like they were like making comments on stage about you know people just getting back from seeing the dark knight and stuff like that like it was referenced on stage like a couple of times like people seeing it or i mean so many people people, wanting to get out of it because the venue was like really hot and like oh everyone's just ready to go home so then go see uh batman and whatever you know it just was oh, like yeah. of the moment in a way that like I most films can't even watching that trailer over and over watching the trailer with groups of people <laughs> yeah and it's something that would carry over for the dark knight rises when we were watching the uh grainy oh yeah uh that opening scene with the planes that Some was released in theaters that you know fucking filmed it with his little camera yeah in his lap <laughs> <laughs> and then we're watching it on the internet yeah i can't even remember shaking hands <laughs> what <laughs> What was the uh, movie that that was even... And they did something similar, though, with the remember. opening Joker sequence. Oh, yeah, yeah. That not? was available before the movie. 
Yeah. It was on the opening Joker scene they put on the end of the Batman Begins, like, Blu-ray release or something. Oh, okay. I, I, see, luckily, now, at the time, I would have probably felt ashamed of myself, but luck, now, look in retrospect, I feel luckily for me, I hadn't seen oh, yeah. the opening sequence before the movie. I had just seen probably the standard trailer, and... When it came time to see The Dark Knight Rises, I kind of had wished that I hadn't seen it yet because yeah. it's so. That's the one thing. It's such with, a snapshot of what the movie's going to be. Yeah, like that's the thing with The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises is the opening sequences are so epic. Oh, I know it's that crazy. like it is probably best to experience them just on the massive right. screen, yeah. you know, for the first time, and that you know is I guess as good a part is any to jump off with with the dark knight discussion um it opens with a bank robbery committed by a bunch of guys wearing um like plastic clown masks right. or rubber i'm not sure but um, no one reporting them when the people just see them walking around town well <laughs> interesting we that see. you should say that because it, in a weird way it kind of leads me to something that i thought we might get to later but it might as well bring it up now because it it plays into the whole thing of uh the Joker being in Gotham in the first place. And then certainly later on the events of the dark Knight leading to the events in the dark Knight rises. And obviously Batman begins plays like a big part of the events in dark Knight rises. But this idea that Batman himself attracts these type of criminals. Oh, and yeah. that's something that's obviously explored time and time again in right. all forms of Batman things it's like does this idea of a masked vigilante then almost encourage these kind of crazy supervillains that take on these personas and characters themselves to match this vigilante in other words does batman himself breed a different kind of criminal right and that's it's not something that is ever fully addressed in any of the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, but I think it's it's a question that's always lingering in the background. Right. And the Joker and you're is like, how c- bad does this police force suck? <laughs> yeah, because... I mean, good you Lord, say, you like, stop this guy? You say, like, oh, these guys, before they even get to the bank, they're all wearing these clown get-ups and whatnot, and, the, you know, nobody on the streets is reporting them, and it's like... It's like it... That seems kind of par for the course for Gotham, though. Oh, yeah, It's no. like to have these insane criminals and and otherwise kind of crazy things happening that seem unexpected, you know, that right. in normal society, yet in Gotham is completely, you know, the day-to-day. <laughs> it's like a uh, Rorschach-type commentary on society. Now, granted, the bank that they end up robbing is kind of a mob-controlled bank, but even like the bank manager has a fucking shotgun <laughs> that he just starts shooting indiscriminately at these Fitchner people or whatever like it's kind of got this uh wild west feel I to do, the city yeah. um the first time i ever saw that i felt like it was going to go somewhere more with that guy having the shotgun like the scene it <laughs> you know what i mean it doesn't really yeah, the only real payoff is that you kind of know, oh, though this is a mob-controlled bank, right. so he's not like a normal bank manager. But that's yeah. really all you ever get mm-hmm. out of that. Um, but this scene, and we're spending a lot of time on it, but it is kind of the perfect encapsulation of what's so great about this film and what's so great about Christopher Nolan as a director. I was actually talking with somebody today about Christopher Nolan in general, and one of my favorite things is he works these 
monster big budget oh, yeah. blockbuster type movies in a way that no one else does. He number one, I know. He refuses to use 3D, which is and barely CGI, great. very minimal CGI. Yeah, I mean Inception had right. some, but yeah, well, yeah, but it's it's definitely more peripheral. There's a certain kind of you know non video game, non comic book, non computer generated reality that these Batman movies uh, exist in that kind of give them that. Uh, the gritty feel that we've kind of already discussed a little bit. So, you know what I hate is like, I end up talking about Christopher Nolan to people constantly because I'm just, I always say it's weird because I think people are just like, Oh my God, we get it. Like suck Christopher Nolan's dick a little bit more, Matt. But I really am just always like, (laughs) I feel like no one is making movies like big budget summer movies. No, on the level that he makes them. No, I mean, he, he's definitely, uh, the new Spielberg. Right. But he's almost got like a Stanley Kubrick, a Kubrick, a Kubrickian. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be like a, a Dennis Miller esque word. Oh yeah. <laughs> Kubricker, Kubrickian. I can't even say it. Um, okay. So although when they, when the Joker pulls out of that, like when at the end of that scene, the Joker gets in the bus, pulls out into bus traffic. Right. Now the other bus is, Noticing a bus pull out of a building. They're not like... They <laughs> not out of a driveway. Yeah, they don't get on the microphone and they're like, did you see that? <laughs> well, maybe they like... Grand grand. You know, maybe they knew it was a, uh, a mob-controlled bank, so they just like, you know what? We're not even going to... Yep. Um, I'm just trying to get these kids to their fucking stops. And it's funny, like the gang of criminals, they all like double cross and murder each other until there's only one left. And of course, that's the Joker and he escapes with all the money. Uh, Meanwhile, kind of semi unrelated to what's going on with the Joker at that moment, uh, Batman uh, District Attorney Harvey Dent, who is a new character for this film, and Lieutenant Jim Gordon, uh, they kind of form uh, a somewhat uneasy alliance to rid Gotham of organized crime. Uh, The one thing that you kind of forget sometimes about the first two Christopher Nolan Batman movies is that organized crime is like kind of the main part. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it's the main villain and that the other people kind of end up Stealing the spotlight, obviously, like the Scarecrow and Ra's al Ghul and the Joker. It's and this then whole idea that like, the, co- the corruption runs everything. Yeah, like, um, and then in, obviously in this film, the corruption has leaked into the police force itself, which is, you know, something that kind of is reminiscent of Batman Year One, which kind of furthers the need for Batman to exist in the first place. Bruce Wayne, obviously Batman's alter ego, is impressed with, uh, Harvey Dent's idealism and offers to support his career. Secretly, though, he's hoping that with Dent as Gotham's new white knight, that he can potentially give up being Batman and then have a normal life uh, with his love interest, Rachel Dawes. So you can just talk to her about Whitney Houston and the <laughs> album Sports. <laughs> um, so kind of a shocking thing for everyone to deal with. Uh Rachel Dawes was played by Katie Holmes in Batman Begins, and now we see Maggie Gyllenhaal. Right. The sad turtle, Maggie <laughs> Gyllenhaal, taking yeah, up that mantle. Yeah, a strange turn. I mean, for a series this massive, it's just so weird to think that someone whose role carried over between films, and the actress didn't die, 
in real life. <laughs> but for some reason, she's not in the movie. It's not like a Megan Fox situation. Now, she didn't die, but maybe her career did? Well, yeah, I think after this, right? Um, Yeah, and Rachel in Batman Begins is just this one-note, shrill shrew of a woman who it's just like, berates Bruce at every available opportunity. It's basically her favorite hobby, just badgering Bruce. Just, you know, condescending to him. Uh, she's this Bruce must have a little bit of Matt in him. How much he likes just being <laughs> talked down upon. He just has his testicles on the floor, and she's stomping on them in stiletto <laughs> heels. Yeah. Just we get it. You're a good person, Rachel. Bruce is a billionaire. He's not doing enough. Do you ever talk about anything else? I know. Ever? It's like, do you have you uh, one note? Are you watching any shows right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of. No, I'm not. You know why? Because I'm out busy saving the world. What are you doing, Bruce? <laughs> it's nonstop with her. Yeah, every sentence just comes back to the same thing. And it's just like, <laughs> in The Dark Knight, I think they definitely like tone that down a little bit. Right. Uh, with Maggie Gyllenhaal's Rachel Dawes. Although, As revenge to Katie Holmes for not taking the part. They're like, we're going to make your character more likable. Yeah, that's the thing, and though. Is she her. actually more likable? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Now she's, at the end of Batman Begins, she's just, you know, dating Bruce, presumably. We They're th- kissing. Uh, yeah, we think, And yeah. we understand that she's now aware that Bruce Wayne is Batman, yet... At the beginning of the Dark Knight, she's now dating she Harvey him Dent. For it. Yeah, and, and she she's holding that against him, even right. though he fucking saves her life. I know from the scarecrow. Yeah, she's very unappreciative. Yeah, it's like Jesus. Now, isn't it weird? Kind of. I don't know. Maybe she's this like is... fucking her boss. Speaking of, yeah, I know. It's like, come on, Rachel. What do you have to look down on people about? Um, I feel like it's weird looking back at and. You know, we've talked about it off mic about Christopher Nolan's like deep cast and like just having so many recognizable people in it and the amount of stars in like these movies. But it, I don't know. It's weird to me that Aaron Eckhart is Harvey Dent. Not that his performance is bad or anything in it, but it's just it's strange to me that that came to pass. That um, it's interesting. Um, I haven't come across like uh casting notes for that particular part i saw like you know a lot of the people who uh tried out to be batman for batman begins and that kind of thing um i'm wondering who else was in contention for that yeah i, I know. know it would be interesting to see probably that list. thomas jane right <laughs> yeah i would uh, yeah a poor man's aaron eckhart right. if you will or, or the, the other, other way, way around. around who knows depending on who <laughs> had a shitty movie come out last yeah. <laughs> um so the joker kind of interjects himself into this organized crime battle that's going on you know between this this new alliance of the da and uh, the head of major crimes uh jim gordon uh the joker sees this as an opportunity to get him making it's almost like he's just and this is kind of the common theme with him it's almost like he's just having fun like there really doesn't seem to be much of a motive for this because ultimately he ends up burning all of the money that he gets out of this deal anyway. And, right. Uh, it's like, yeah, we get it. He's mo- he's mostly concerned with how can I make an impression to get Batman's attention. Oh, yeah. He's constantly... And he even reveals that he doesn't want him to die to either. Yeah, in a it's weird like way... It's he wants this game to just go on forever. In a weird way, it's almost like Batman is like this 
father figure to the Joker that he's seeking what he thinks is some kind of weird approval. Like, it's almost as if the Joker is convinced that what he's doing necessitates Batman's existence, and so Batman, in a weird way, is happy that the oh, Joker exists. Right, And yes, he's that's the looking for there. that from that validation from Batman, and, and he pretty much tells him that in a way towards the end the of the Joker's, film. And with the Joker's, like, limitless accessibility to Gotham's infrastructure, where he can s- seemingly just play with the moving parts of the city at any given time, <laughs> he could keep this game going on forever. Well, that's the great thing about this film and the Joker within this film is we don't get a backstory for no. the Joker. We even he is just he this- reveals a weird backstory two different times that's completely <laughs> different about the scars on his face, but even that doesn't really tell it's us like uh, much. Even if like one of those stories, you know, the the scar stories is true, it doesn't matter because it it, it ultimately doesn't really tell us anything. It doesn't like tell a, us who he is or why he's doing the things he does or where he came from or what his background is. Nothing. We just right. He has scars on his face. He puts weird makeup on. He dresses in weird suits. Yeah, and the, he has green hair. I mean, the, that's it. We don't really know why he does what he does, but he's you know less comedic than some of the other versions of the Joker that have been out there. It's more plays into the uh, insanity side because there's always kind of like two. Uh, there's always kind of been two versions of the Joker that exist. Sometimes it's both at the same time. Uh, sometimes it's like the Psychopath. electric buzzer on your hand, <laughs> yeah, water on your lapel or flower on your lapel that shoots water that kind of cheesy joking kind of joker or the insane criminal mastermind kind of joker and this is more of the insane side yeah yeah which is deranged scary and dangerous and ultimately fits in with the christopher nolan universe more because it's seemingly more realistic than an actual clown now the multiple backstory (laughs) thing is kind of like uh here we go it took you this long yeah i don't know actually you know what it's not worth it (laughs) Christ, I had to vamp for I know, you 10 minutes while off. you were thinking of the No, no, it. I kept trying to get it in, and you were like, no, breeze past it. Well, all right. No, we're good. Um, it wasn't good. So, yeah, leaving the listener in suspense. Sometimes <laughs> that suspense is better. Yeah, trust me. Uh, the Joker, ultimately, uh, he pisses off some of the gangster people, but he pulls this interesting move where he smuggles himself in as a corpse to one of their hideouts and then kills the guy and kind of takes over his gang. Oh yeah. And this kind of leads the mob to be like, all right, we got to take this guy seriously. Yeah. And Cause from that point on, well, he's killed like, one of the major players. Yeah. And there's seemingly no stopping him. And they're like, well, you know what? Maybe he has a point about this Batman guy. This is gonna always hang over our heads if we don't address that first and that's ultimately what the joker was selling them on was we gotta address batman yeah who gives a shit about anything else and like yeah you know what you're right (laughs) (laughs) so you know through a series of events uh harvey dent and jim gordon are able to arrest basically the entire mob which is of course ridiculous (laughs) um batman has to go to Hong Kong to bring back this uh, guy named Lau who is going to testify against just an unbelievable uh, action sequence the mob yeah it's kind of a weird little interlude into the in the film where he goes to like Hong Kong it kind of doesn't really play in with what's going on with the Joker directly but this is like a lot of like Lucius Fox and Alfred's like 
uh, just limitless knowledge on random shit. Well, the, yeah, they've got something. <laughs> be, they've got super Google. I know where they yeah. just find out everything. And yeah, that I, comes into play in Dark Knight Rises oh, too, where he's this, googling Bane. Apparently, I know. I'm like, what the hell? Who's writing these bios on the League of Shadows dropouts? You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, yeah, in a, in, a, in a way, like the Hong Kong sequence to retrieve Lao, this guy who's going to potentially be able to testify against the mob, it, it kind of just serves for like the gadget fetish, fetish, fetishry, if that's a word, oh. <laughs> going on throughout the Batman movies. It's like, what kind of cool shit can we have him play oh, with right. that's going to look cool on screen? Yep. It, it, it's all very fun, but ultimately, you know, the meat and potatoes of this movie is like the Joker. Like Heath Ledger as a version of the Joker that kind of walks this fine line between genuinely crazy and almost like you almost, there's times where you're almost like laughing. Cause you're like, this is so ridiculous, but like it kind of all melds together in this way that ultimately works so well where you're kind of just unsure of what's going on. Every oh, yeah. time the Joker's talking, I you're mean, like, remember, what is this voice? What is he saying? What is he doing? I mean, I can remember being like, legitimately disturbed during some of the scenes like uh especially the one where he's captured the people that are impersonating batman oh yeah he's like they're they're showing this on the news yeah (laughs) where he's just like fucking with them yeah and then he you know ultimately like hangs that guy out of a building oh right yeah i mean it's for uh pg-13 movies that are like superhero movies which you know definitely attract kids to them they're pretty dark oh yeah absolutely um they don't obviously get into a lot of like blood or guts or anything like that which would you know make them rated r but like for pg-13 they're kind of they're definitely more intimidating than the marvel movies in a lot of ways well yeah um the joker threatens to keep killing people unless batman reveals his identity and starts by murdering the then police commissioner gillian loeb and the judge presiding over the mob trial. He also tries to kill the mayor, but then Jim Gordon dives in front, seemingly uh, sacrificing himself to stop the assassination. Uh, this leaves leads yeah, this... to Harvey Dent learning that Rachel will be the next target, which oh, yeah. then injects that kind of personal. When did the plan interest. come together that they were going to fake Gordon's death on the fly? And who all was <laughs> in on it? I know it is weird. It's like. When you try to put the details together of how that all came together, I don't know. It's a lot of like... Presumably, well, he may have taken a bullet in the bulletproof vest, was still like shaken up enough right. to have to be checked out in an ambulance or something. And they're like, you know what? This is Nobody saw him go in this ambulance. Let's pull this move. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, someone, I mean, someone at the morgue had to be in on it. So basically, the Joker is now um, holding Gotham ransom. Right. His request is only Batman's identity. Yeah. and Although seemingly that would ruin his whole little game too, if Batman did reveal himself. Well, I think in his twisted mind, he wants Batman to embrace being Batman, and he sees his keeping his ident- identity hidden as like cheating almost. Oh, right. Like, yeah. come, be yourself, be Batman, let us know who you are, and embrace this character, and we're going to play our cops and robbers games on the rooftops of Gotham together forever kind of thing. <laughs> um, because his back is basically against the wall, Bruce is like, all right, I'll, yep. I'll do it. I'll turn myself in. Which, yeah, not... I mean, this is the one thing about 
uh, Bruce when he's not Batman. It's like never really emotes about anything. And it's like he really is, you know, he's making little jokes with Alfred as he's like going to turn himself in where he's basically going to be imprisoned. <laughs> well, OK, so partially I think his reasoning is he's completely pussy whipped over Rachel and he doesn't want anything bad to happen to her. Secondly, even of course, though it, what a relief that would be. <laughs> it's like she'd finally shut up. Get this dark cloud out of my life. <laughs> uh, secondly, obviously, is um, Alfred's, I guess you would say, kind of reality check pep talk that he has with him. Right. Uh, now, this is where we really get into Alfred's whole <laughs> weird thing where he's seemingly making up stuff about his life. Alfred, over the course of the three Nolan films, is definitely sliding further and further into a wasteland of dementia oh, yeah. and sadness. He's trying it's like, to, what is he even talking about? In the, uh, in the Dark Knight Rises, he's trying to bring Bruce a bowl of cereal, but he poured the cereal and the milk onto a paper towel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he tells... It, 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 in alfred's warped mind he thinks that he's lived this other life before he he was was a butler i know it's like (laughs) what was he doing uh a ruby (laughs) the size of a tangerine a ruby the size it's like tangerine (laughs) we know you weren't in the bush with your comrades chasing bandits vigilante (laughs) bandit bandits what year was it 1792 it's like it's just like what is he even talking about yeah. he's like uh i saw a child with a ruby alfred you've been the butler of this family your entire life you were born into it you were in his mind he's like some sort of famous adventurer oh, from like a i don't know some kind of Rudyard kipling yeah. book or some <laughs> bullshit i don't know um but for whatever reason, he kind of conveys the idea that some pe- some men just want to watch the world burn, which is kind of the calling card of the Joker. Yeah, it, it kind of has stuck around this uh, Joker character and kind of transcended the movie itself even. Um, so before Bruce can reveal at this press conference that he is the Batman, Harvey Dent announces that he is, in fact, the Batman. Yeah. Taking... You know, credit really uh, wants the spotlight all on himself. Dent is taken into prote- protective custody because, after all, it wouldn't be a fucking Batman movie if Batman wasn't wanted by the police the entire time. Now, what does he think is going to happen here? He reveals that he thinks the Batman was going to do the right thing and save him. I guess that means he assumes that uh, Gotham PD wasn't going to be able to protect him, and that you know this whole thing. Well, obviously, Harvey. And this is kind of recurring throughout the film. He is suspicious of the Gotham PD because it turns out, you know, two of the officers are kind of on um, the Team mob's Joker. payroll. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, they're oh, yeah. more right. they're more with yeah, the mob. That's true. You're right. And by extension, then, you know, the Joker. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess he's thinking that he's going to buy Gotham some time. Right. Because the Joker so far has lived up to his promise. He seems relatively unstoppable yeah you would think it wouldn't be that hard to find a guy dressed like him i know walking around i mean we don't know a lot about what the joker does how many people have a face like day to day but like yeah i mean it's like you have noticeable scars on your face (laughs) that you can't stop talking about (laughs) it's like shut up about these scars (laughs) nobody even asked (laughs) (laughs) um 
yeah, Batman ultimately comes to Dent's rescue, and uh, Gordon, the savior here, who faked his death, I always ar- thought- ends up arresting the Joker because the sequence when they're transporting uh, Dent and then the Holy the shit. Joker attacks yeah. the convoy. It's unlike almost anything. I've ever seen. I know it's it so crazy. good. Yeah, it's such a dramatic. Even the way it like starts off because it's like uh, just becoming like nighttime. Yeah, and it's just it, it just gets you like so hyped, and it's just such a wild sequence. When you, I, when they come to the fire truck in flames, you're just like, "What, what the, the fuck? fuck? This yeah. is unbelievable." I know. And seeing that like on the big screen, I mean, I know like I'll, there's it's kind of like a big thing now. That theaters play like old movies and stuff. You oh, know, right. we've gone to plenty of random old screenings, and oh, seemingly every theater does it now. I would love if they would play The Dark Knight on IMAX oh, yeah. again, because a not in fucking 3D, right? Which, terrible, but like it's just it's so epic and big, and like God, I I think I would legitimately get excited. You know, obviously not at the same level so, as the first time, but oh. I, w- I would love to see it on the IMAX one more time in I my know. life. It's so weird to think about how, you know, even after the amount of money The Dark Knight made, that the studios wanted him to make The Dark Knight Rises in 3D. They wanted to get, They knew just, they were going to sell the I same know. amount of tickets. They wanted to gouge the fans know, for but more. It's just like, oh, how cheesy that would have been. Oh, it would have been terrible. Um, uh, yeah, and I'm glad that he's so far pretty much stuck to his guns oh, by not absolutely. falling into that trap. Right. Um, so, uh, But yeah, also I will say at the end of the sequence, right before Gordon is revealed as the hero of the scene, I always thought it was odd the way like, I mean, Batman just comes off as a complete oaf the way he just crashes his motorcycle. You know? Well, the you know, it's... It's kind of the um, familiar struggle that Batman has in virtually every form that he takes in cross comics, TV, movies, etc. He doesn't kill. Right. And that's like a huge thing. It, it, there's even the part in The Dark Knight Rises where he kicks the gun out of oh, yeah. Catwoman's hands while they're fighting. And she Bane's points thugs. out how annoying he is. <laughs> It's like oh god, I mean, have you? It's like, have you seen the world we're living in? I know. It's like <laughs> we literally have a terrorist with this uh, pain-killing mask on his face, <laughs> holding the entire city hostage, and oh, we're not allowed to shoot anyone. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, Gordon is immediately promoted to commissioner. <laughs> Just kind of spur of the moment. Uh, well, and the then Rachel open. and Dent are escorted away by Michael Wirtz and Anna Ramirez. Detectives who happen to be on Maroney's payroll. Who, by the way, Harvey's been on to since the beginning. Yeah, and Gordon refused to kind of believe it. Meanwhile, Batman interrogates the Joker in yet another iconic scene. Oh, yeah. Uh, Especially now that after I watched uh, the Killing Joke animated movie and now rewatching this scene, it just has like that even added effect, you know? Yeah. And the Joker kind of in this masochistic way like loves that he's getting under Batman's skin to the point of getting beat up by Batman. And he's kind of got this ace in the hole, which is he knows that Rachel and, and Harvey have been trapped in separate locations that are rigged with explosives. It's all a game to him. And he kind of knows at best, they're only going to be able to save one of them. And so the Joker gives him these addresses of where they're at and telling them which ones at which of course, Batman stupidly believes the Joker (laughs) And he has switched which address is which. Batman goes to save Rachel, but it turns out to be Harvey. Oh, yeah. The cops all end up at 
the address that they think is Harvey, but it turns out to be right. Rachel. Does he give him the, the joke? I, I was trying to figure this out. The Joker intentionally gives him the wrong address yeah, because he okay. knows Batman's going to go after Rachel. Right. He, he's just fucking with Batman. Yes. There's no reason. It, right. it probably doesn't really even matter which one of the two gets killed. To yeah. The Joker. He's no, no. just having fun. Right. And I mean, this was, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, I'm sure this is was inspired by uh, what's his face from Roadhouse flipping the coin. <laughs> Wesley, yeah, Wesley. Um, yeah, so Batman, of course, is more competent than the police, so he's able to save Dent with only half of his face getting blown off. Whereas Rachel, it's like the police just can't even remotely get close to saving her. Poor Rachel, when it's dawning on her that. Uh, Oh Harvey's good! The one getting saved. She's like, "Oh, oh good, good. Oh, they're you. saving you." <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Almost like not even hiding the sarcasm. They're yeah. Like, oh great! Although that was like so intense in theaters, though, when she just like blows up. Oh yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's just it's yeah memorable filmmaking. Right. Um, <laughs> Cover up. That that was not nearly as. Intended to be as misogynistic as it sounded. Um, and while this is all going on, the Joker, of course, has already had a plan for his own escape, and he takes Lau, the guy that was going to testify against the mom, with him. Meanwhile, uh, Coleman Reese, an accountant at Wayne Enterprises, deduces that Bruce is Batman and tries to go public with the information. He kind of, in kind of what I consider to be a pretty humorous sequence, he presents this plan of his oh, yeah. to blackmail Bruce Wayne to Lucius Fox, um, who have, I'm not even sure we've mentioned very much in this one. Right. Morgan uh, Freeman. Morgan Freeman, who, you know, obviously provides Bruce with all the gadgets and toys that he uses to be Batman. Because and, Lucius has just been collecting these in the bowels of Wayne Enterprises. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you know, we happen to make all these things that, you know, could be useful to a, no an wants, urban crime fighter. Yeah. Um, and unlike in other versions of Batman, Lucius is aware that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Um, so when Coleman Reese like presents him with this, you know, he obviously knows the score. And it's kind of funny because it's like the richest man who happens to beat up criminals and do oh, all yeah. this shit, and your plan is to blackmail him. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. <laughs> Eventually, the now isn't there something where people were making some connection that that guy. Was like a, a reference to the Riddler or something? Yeah, I can't. Maybe I, I was Mr. thinking Reese. That, I, I don't know. Yeah, I can't really remember exactly what that was, but I think they kind of used names that the Riddler sometimes used or something. I don't know. At this point, the mob is kind of grown wary of the Joker. They're like, "Holy shit! Like we don't, we can't control this guy." Oh yeah, he's too unpredictable for even Let's us. Let's cut him loose. So, they think that, you know, the smart move then is to reveal the Joker's location to uh, Commissioner Gordon. Um, the Joker sets fire to the mob's money, no. burning Lau alive in the process. Uh, Which, yeah. I really never think about that either, that Lau is just yeah incinerated in this. <laughs> yeah, because, like, it's such kinda, an afterthought. Like, if you miss it the first time, you're like, what happened to that guy? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it's like, yeah, I mean, the, at this point, the mob is like, all right, we're going to tell you where the Joker is. You can go get him. And the cops start gearing up to do so. Is that when it's revealed that the hospital thing? Basically, it seems like uh, Reese is going to go on TV and reveal who Bruce Wayne is. And that kind of prompts 
the Joker to act quicker and threaten to destroy a hospital unless someone kills him because he he uh, almost it, sees that as like he's it's a spoiler. Inter- yeah, he's interfering in yeah. what the Joker wants to do. Right. So obviously, all the hospitals are evacuated. They don't know which one he's going to hit. Um, Gordon goes to secure Reese. In broad fucking daylight, the Joker goes to the hospital that Harvey Dent is in and kind of begins this manipulation process to the now disfigured Dent, encouraging him in his own unique way to seek revenge for Rachel's death. Uh, at this point... <laughs> Even though not against the person who, you know, was really the reason for it, who's now <laughs> standing right in front of him. Yeah, um... Could it be argued that Dent doesn't even really realize that the Joker's responsible at that point? I mean, he seems to accuse him of it, and the Joker's like, oh, no, no, you don't want to blame me for this. <laughs> no, 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 That won't be any fun. Right. It's Batman's fault. <laughs> yeah, now Dent is officially, you know, two-faced as we've... No, anybody even remotely familiar with the Batman mythology is aware that Harvey Dent is two-faced, so it's not exactly shocking that this has occurred yes although i i did think maybe before the movie that like he wasn't going that i thought like the whole harvey dent story was going to take place during this movie and the idea of him transitioning into two-face maybe would be like a a tease at the end of this movie or something and it would carry into the next one well but then the movie ends up being you know six hours long (laughs) yeah i mean i wasn't sure actually where they were gonna go with that uh, I will say that I was actually pretty surprised that Two Face just dies at the end of. The I movie. know, yeah, it is weird because the whole run of Two Face only ends up being like a half hour. Yeah, because in the comics, he's basically just like any other villain. At oh that yeah, point. right. He's he lives on forever. Like yeah. he goes to Arkham and escapes or whatever, just like anyone else. Like now, let me ask you this: now that we're on, I mean, I know the this, Rogues Gallery, if you will. This is kind of like <laughs> diverting us, keeping things chronologically in order here, but. A big talking point on this movie for afterwards, you know, Heath Ledger is dead at this point, but we're all talking about, (laughs) I never really was like that convinced that the Joker was necessarily going to be involved with the next movie. I never thought he would. I didn't, but so many people that I talked to were like, boy, that's really too bad he died. Who knows what he would have been in the next movie? And I was thinking if he was in it, maybe just like a reference, like maybe an Arkham Asylum or something. I think... And this is just my take on look, seeing how like Nolan does different things. I think if Heath Ledger wouldn't have died, um, it's quite possible the Joker would have been a character. I think so because the he, third one, but he, he would. I don't. I doubt he would have been the focal point. No, that would right, have just same. been doing the same thing. Exactly. Again. Yeah, that's that's what I took out of it too. Because it's like that's the thing. Scarecrow is a uh, is in all three. Yeah, uh, I think they hopefully back to characters from the first one in the third one. Well, hopefully the Joker would have been more like the Scarecrow in The Dark Knight Rises and less like the Scarecrow in The Dark Knight, which is almost like a yeah. cheesy afterthought right. at the beginning. I almost yes. I almost kind of cringe at that part. It's kind of silly. That they have him in it, even. Yeah, at that in that opening right. part, it's just like, it it really diminishes and the it's first just, movie. It's like, it's weird because the idea is that, like, a certain amount of time has passed... And it's like they're only now arresting him because yeah, yeah, there is a loose end at the end of Batman Begins where he's not really been caught at that point because the main villain is Ra's al Ghul and he's killed Mm -hmm. and everything and and the the city is seemingly saved for the time being, but like 
yeah, the scarecrow is still kind of lingering out there, and then they kind of wrap it up in a way that's like, eh, I guess we have to do this, but we're not really going to yeah. put any effort into it. I was just always... But his appearance in The Dark Knight Rises is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, it's at least entertaining, although it seems so random that why would he even be involved? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Just for continuity's sake, that's, that's what I mean, yeah. like... I think let's let's do a hypothetical. Let's say and you know who knows what the thought process for any of this was, but let's say that they map out a general idea of where they want to go with the third movie even before Heath Ledger dies. Right. Like at that point they've already wrapped filming, they're in post production. Now they did intentionally keep him alive at the end of the second movie. Yeah, so let's say but let's say like okay, we're going to introduce Bane and Catwoman and bring in Talia Ghoul to tie everything together. Right. Now, they were like, all right, well, you know, we can include Scarecrow to continue, like, to to make everyone understand that this is a world that continues. An ongoing universe. Yeah, everything's kind of, and that kind of harkens back to what I was saying about the quote-unquote rogues gallery of villains, where it's like, yes. kind of everyone comes and goes, like, you know, in the old Adam West Batman, where... Each episode kind of is just a different villain. And right, the cartoon right. was the same yes, way, yes. where it would just kind of recycle through villains or whatever. I could see the Joker... I could see potentially an epic showdown randomly between the Joker there was and always, Bane well, or something. Who oh, knows yeah, that's like, true. where they could have gone There was it. always like the rumors that they had wanted to do like a scene of him in Arkham Asylum or something. I remember yeah, there was there like, were definitely rumors of that. I never yeah, really confirmed I don't what think. the deal with that even was, but yeah, I mean that was definitely way more my thought. I I just I'm well, I'm surprised at the amount of people I talked to after this movie, and I I'm not even trying to like insult them. I just never really like thought that. I was just like, well, why would they do a third movie and the Joker's the villain again, like the main villain again? Well, I guess. Because of how successful it That's was, true, like, yeah, and how much people seemed to love it, but I think. But Nolan never so long. <laughs> I think Nolan in his career has has shown that he doesn't really fall victim to the whims of like basic you know, bitch directors, like the money or or the popularity. Right. He kind of goes where he feels like he it wants needs to, to go, yeah. and I I don't see him just because of the success of this movie. Now, if Heath Ledger didn't die, I mean, would the studio have like exerted more yeah. control and been like, no, this is what we want? I don't know, but. You know, I'll say this: it didn't happen that way. Honestly, about both the Joker and even Tom Hardy as Bane, uh, and maybe with the the latter a little bit more, just because of his fucking crazy appearance and voice distortion. But like, definitely like a great job of me just not associating those characters with the actors. Really, like I'm not just when I see the Joker, I never really think of like I'm not like oh this is Heath Ledger. You know, like. Like how he is in Ten Things I Hate About You or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you kind of know what I mean, though. Yeah, the the villains really, and I, I honestly, and I mean, I know he gets a lot of shit for the bat, the the Batman voice and everything, but I never, when he has the costume on, I don't really think oh, of I that know. as Christian right. Bale yeah. either. Yeah, it's weird. So yeah, I guess we can get back into the <laughs> where where this was going. So uh, the Joker then destroys the hospital and escapes with a busload of hostages. Uh, Dent goes on a killing spree where he flips a coin, uh, one that he has had throughout the film that was originally a um, 
double headed headed coin, yeah. but now has a scratch mark yeah. on one of the sides. Uh, you know, and then he's kind of like uh, Antoine Chigurh. <laughs> yeah. You know, That's a little true. bit. There's definitely like a coin flip element going right. on. On what's ba- the most you, know, you ever lost in a coin toss? <laughs> <laughs> just full of impressions for this episode. <laughs> just terrible. And you know, even though he's presumably like, he's killing people that he holds responsible for Rachel's death, and but just pouting about it though, really too. You know, he he's kills Wirtz butthurt. and then ends up sparing Ramirez, all based on the coin flip. But um, he ends up in Maroney's car. He doesn't shoot Maroney, but then he shoots the driver. And that, yeah, I guess you're supposed to take that Maroney's killed as well. I mean, it's not really ever right. addressed. Yeah. And he obviously doesn't make an appearance in The Dark Knight Rises or anything. Then it kind of, the last part of the film is probably, like, after, like, aside from the Two-Face part, which I actually do like, right. the Joker conclusion is kind of unsatisfactory to me. Because then it becomes this whole thing where... Well, it feels, the movie definitely, like, speeds up at the end here. Yeah, the you know Joker I mean? rigs two uh, evacuating ferries with explosives. Because I guess people are evacuating the city because he's now, he's he's reached the point where he's now... You know, in control of the city, basically. Oh, I know. He's blowing up hospitals at right. will, and no one can seemingly stop him. They don't know. I know. It is crazy. He just... It, no one can stop him ever. It's insane. Unlike... I guess unlike the Tim Burton version, uh, the Joker's gang is harder to differentiate. Like, Oh, yeah. In the in the Tim Burton version, it's all these like freaks and weirdos and oh, like, right. tall people and midgets and fat people and it's just like crazy (laughs) yeah like for some reason no one can figure out who's working for the joker so he's going around rigging hospitals to explode and rigging ferries to explode um just apparently like yeah unattended unguarded (laughs) boats at all times in all fairness it seems like the police force has got a lot to deal with oh i know got the former district attorney with half his face blown off going around (laughs) killing people uh, we have a masked vigilante that no one knows the identity of. I mean, a lot's going on. Right. Um, At some point, you just move out of Gotham. Well, that, yeah, I mean, these are two fairies, you know, on their way out. One is filled with civilians, one with prisoners. He says that... <laughs> the prisoners got to get out of here. I know uh, they explained that, but it's like... His whole thing is is basically like, hey, I'm going to blow up both of these at midnight, but I'll let one of them survive if the passengers of either boat blows up the other boat. So he gives them both a detonator for the other boat. And the whole concept here is that he believes, the Joker, that one of these two is definitely going to blow up the other. Yeah. He's counting on that. Right. Like, granted, he's willing to blow them both up but that's not really <laughs> yeah. even what he wants no, no. he wants to prove a point right. that people are evil just like him i know deep it, down. it's like that deep down he's his relentless just, pursuit of this it's just like all right i mean is the payoff really that great well that's i mean ultimately that's what these batman movies end up really being about yeah. is the everyone wants to prove man. every villain is just hell bent on proving that everyone that lives in gotham is an asshole and batman's like no not everyone is an asshole. Well, right. That's like the the small scope, but I think Gotham is supposed to just be the microcosm of society in right. general. Yes. It's like Well, it's the world's greatest city. When pushed when pushed up against the wall, what will people do? Will they yes. act like the Joker thinks they will act like or will they, you know, find the inner Batman within themselves to rise above uh their circumstances? You know, ultimately 
the everyday citizens oh, I love fucking- get closer to blowing up the prisoners than the prisoners do to get getting <laughs> yeah. blowing up the citizens. But yet- Debo has to step in <laughs> after his... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what part of the prison sentence it is from the Friday movies, but uh, he decides to go and throw that detonator right at the window. Although... During this, Batman is using this de- you know device that he set up that somehow connects all the cell phones in the city, and through that he's able to find anything. But Lucius is helping him with this, and Lucius just ha- has to take the moral high ground of well, this th- machine is uh, I, we're not messing around with this machine. Well, are you kidding me? Bat? It's like Lucius, look around. <laughs> the city is being destroyed. Well, you're cavalierly. Remaining within the world of the film, whereas I think the film is making a bigger point about what's what 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 was going on in I the world at the time. Yeah. Um, don't act like this is not kind of oh, a I representation know. of like the Patriot Act oh, well, and, yeah, and everything post nine eleven. And obviously, with something well, think- like that, I don't want to get into a whole political thing, but obviously there are points to be made on both sides, of right? It. And there. Yeah. It's hard to know what the right answer I is. I think that's and true in this I, case. I think Lucius is justified in saying that some things, no matter what... Is wrong. Right. There's no... Yeah. Because, there's, in other words... It's a slippery okay. slope. There's no going back from it. Right. So, the, like, the idea is, like, basically, do the means justify the ends? In other right. words, how do we differentiate ourselves from the criminals we're trying to stop? Who watches what separates us? <laughs> Yeah, who watches the Watchmen? In other words, what makes the U.S. supposedly, quote unquote, better than like these some right. of the countries we're at war with I is understand. that we wouldn't torture. Yes, and that's why people are against. You know what I mean? In other words, obviously, torturing pr- prisoners of war will maybe help, maybe not. But is, who's the to idea say we is be able that like we're the thing that separates us is that we wouldn't do it, and the thing that would separate. The good guys from the bad guys is not doing things that are basically right. immoral or illegal or at least questionable and invade the privacy of all of these citizens just to find one man. But like, but you're right though. I mean, the Joker at this point it's it's reached this state of emergency, and that's why there's points to be made on both sides. Yeah, Batman ultimately absolutely. chooses to invade everyone in Gotham's privacy using this imaginary thing that can listen to everyone's cell phone or something. Is yeah, that what it is? I don't know. Yeah. It's, the technology's breezed right through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we just have to kind of accept it, that he's come up with this way to track it's funny. everybody. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I when I said that, I was joking and didn't think we were going to launch into an actual... Well, no, it's interesting but because... But to make that point... I mean, Nolan it, takes a nugget, I think, in a couple of these movies, because yeah. in the third movie, I definitely I think it's like think, an Occupy Wall Street thing going on in the yeah, third one, right? Yeah. There's... The, kind of this idea of the rich having everything in the third one and then what will the lower classes do in certain high tension situations when oh, presented right. with the yes. option to overthrow this society that has seemingly oppressed them or whatever and then in this one you know granted this was coming you know some time after 9-11 and then the inevitable war on terror that followed and then all of the things that happened because of that and the yeah, Patriot Act, totally. et cetera, et cetera. But I definitely think there's shades of that in yes. what's going on here in, in figuring out how to well, stop I mean, the Joker. Yeah. Because the, jo- the Joker is a terrorist. I mean, just mentioning that stuff, it is like we were going over this a little bit when I wanted to just talk about like what we were going to cover. And <laughs> this plot to this movie, I mean, the script to this movie 
just so perfectly detailed, you know? Like, there's just so much at play here. Right. Which is why, you know, I was saying that this final third is the lesser portion of yeah, the film. It's I so, love this film. It's an right. A-plus for me. But the, it kind of, and it all ultimately leads to the final confrontation uh, between Batman and the Joker. Um, and, of course, Batman ultimately saves the Joker's life and takes him into custody rather than killing him. Um, which is, and the whole way that that's, uh, set up and done is very reminiscent of the end of Tim Burton's Batman. Cause it all takes place high up on a building right in that film. And Batman to attempts to save yeah. the Joker, but can't. And the Joker falls to his death. No. Whereas in this Batman does save him. And at that point, the Joker's taken into custody. Now it's weird. I just think for some people probably like. Jack Nicholson, they were like, this is the iconic Joker. There, there's never going to be, like, a Joker. Like, you know what I mean? And then it's like, you see this Heath Ledger Joker. Well, I think that's that's what's cool about transcendent characters is that there can be generational oh, versions of them. And it, it, the same could be said for Batman himself. I mean, you kind of have to forget the Kilmer and Clooney years. But <laughs> um, for some people... Nicholson probably was the iconic Joker, but for people before that, it was uh, what's his face from the TV show. Um, for oh, some yeah. people, it's the voice of Mark, Mark Hamill, Hamill, who's done it not only for the cartoon, but for numerous video games and other animated films. And then, you know, Heath Ledger comes out with something that's completely different from all of the other versions and equally as iconic and, you know, the Joker for a new generation. Um, I do think it'll be interesting. And potentially horrifying <laughs> um, to see where they take Jared Leto's version of the Joker from it's kind Suicide of a, Squad. A little bit of a blend where there are. I mean, obviously, I don't want to get into a whole Suicide Suicide Squad thing because you know maybe we'll bring that up in some way, shape, or I form don't know. later. <laughs> uh, maybe not in the way that you're thinking, though. So don't panic, listener. <laughs> but um, there were parts. I'll just to. For the sake of keeping this episode somewhat contained, all I'll say is there were parts of Leto's character, Leto's version of the Joker that I liked and parts that I didn't like. Right. I loved Harley Quinn, but the Joker kind of, there was some cheesiness to some of it, but also, I also thought some of it was good. So I don't know. Maybe I'm in the minority on that one. Now, but I am worried that with the Affleck movies that are inevitably going to be made at some point. Or even the Justice League movie that the Joker is going to factor in, and it's kind of will it diminish Heath Ledger's performance, no, or make absolutely it, not. or will it's it make not. it stand out even more? I don't yeah, know. I don't think it has any effect. I mean, although it's like with that Jack Nicholson Joker, they really they went all in on that movie. Yeah, and ultimately, even though I love the Dark Knight and Heath Ledger's performance, I also like jack nicholson's and it's a it's kind of a different version of the joker right and they make him like the ultimate villain because in that version he's the one that kills bruce's parents right but it was actually and they do this in the nolan movies it was actually in batman begins they kind of show it was uh a guy named joe chill joe chill which is kind of a strange (laughs) name for a guy that murders two people in cold blood outside of a theater (laughs) his nickname was not so (laughs) Yeah, they in prison they called him not so, not so chill, or yeah. sometimes un for short. Yeah, 
Joe, Joe Chill. <laughs> Fucking ass. <laughs> Although I'm pretty sure that is the name from the comics, though, right? I have no idea. <laughs> Mr. Uh, comic Book Expert. No, yeah, Matt I'm not. Crosby. Not at all, no. Um, okay, so, holy shit. Uh well this is the fiftieth folks all right yeah you know, we, strap we tr- in yeah <laughs> it's a we, marathon we tried to make it the right mix of boring and funny <laughs> some people would argue a little bit too much of one of those things <laughs> I'm not gonna say which no no <laughs> you know what if we're gonna have like a big long bloated episode where we kind of just ramble incoherently why yeah. not be the fiftieth this movie deserves it. You know it what? If you don't like, if you don't like the Nolan Batman movies, you know what? Go fuck. Yourself. Oh, I know. That, you know, inevitably right there is the like ass. a group of people that is just like on the internet, like typing like, uh, you know what? Christopher Nolan's a hack. The Joel Schumacher Batman movies are where it's at. <laughs> I mean, it's just they're much more point, true to the comic. Listen, I don't. I I like when people like other stuff than me, and like, uh, like I don't. Okay, but <laughs> I'm just saying at at, the, at some point. There's a level of insanity, which is like, this to me is an undeniably great movie, and Joel Schumacher's Batman and Robin is an undeniably horrific hunk of garbage. Obviously. Um, so, yeah, okay. It's weird, yeah. though. Like, it seems like those people ultimately prefer Batman Begins out of the Nolan movies, which is strange because I find that to be the least entertaining of the three. Right. In it, even though I get annoyed when people criticize The Dark Knight Rises, and I totally disagree with it, I still... Uh, You'll leave room for it. I'll leave a little bit of room for it. For me, though, when people criticize The Dark Knight, it's just, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, I know. I am surprised the amount of people that kind of get on The Dark Knight Rises. I mean, I understand. I think after a certain, there's a certain segment of the movie that... I'm not as into when it's like the Bane occupied Gotham, but I think like the first like hour is just like as incredible as I'm in the for the Knight. whole thing. I even yeah. li- I like the ending too. Well, I like the end. I like I like the end end. I love everything that Bane and Catwoman are in. Right. I don't. But yeah, that's what I'm because talking ultimately about. I don't with love these the, Batman movies, the villains always become the stars. I mean, really. I understand that it's a, a big plot device in the movie, but I, I, you know the whole. Uh, uh, prisons just sequence I mean the first time you see it that stuff is fine but it's just not yeah I mean some of it's obviously not as rewatchable these are long fucking movies right Um, Um, although you know great dialogue in The Dark Knight Rises (laughs) so you came back to die with your city and he's like no No. I came back to stop you (laughs) it's like (laughs) come on Batman well he was in a prison for (laughs) months apparently you know his brain's a little fried yeah. Uh, so, how, yeah, I love the part. Gonna... Not to go on like a complete Dark Knight Rises tangent, but it's like he gives fucking Catwoman so many chances. Oh, I know to redeem herself. Whereas if that was like, like nope. a dude, he would have been like, "All right, you're going to prison." But <laughs> Catwoman turns him over to Bane, and he still comes back, and he's like, "I still think that you're good." Yeah, <laughs> I know. Like... Even though it's like he turns back to her when she, she turns him over to Bane, he's like, "You made a terrible mistake." It's like, well, what? Well, he came back. Yeah, he's like, he's like, oh, you turned me into Bane, but that ass. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, well, yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, for 
the most part, these Nolan Batman movies are like completely sexless. But then in the third one, he's fucking Miranda Tate, aka oh, Talia right. Gould, just raw dog on yeah, his, his fucking living room floor. And then his uh, he's just pursuing Catwoman's oh, ass the entire his time. His romantic life uh, outside of Rachel is just incredible. It's a huge win for him. <laughs> He's gone from the sad turtle to just two friggin' smokehouses. So, okay. So let's get back to the Dark Knight. Let's try to put a bow on this. Okay. Uh, Batman apprehends the Joker, but the Joker's kind of got one last, one last trick up his sleeve. He he feels that Gotham's hope will be lost once it becomes public knowledge that Dent, the once beloved heroic white knight of Gotham, has gone on a murderous rampage. At some point, you are like, does this movie ever end? <laughs> we got one last major sequence. Even though you're, I mean, you know, you're emotionally pretty worn down by this point. But, you know, you're also. It's an interesting choice, I will say, to be like, all right, we're going to have the Joker thing wrap up before Two-Face. Yeah, but, and then, but we're going to get you emotionally back involved because he's going to point a gun at a child. Well, and it, but it ultimately makes sense for the progression of the story and where they wanted to take right. this. Because yes. it becomes the ultimate plus isn't there always sacrifice. a little bit of a red herring in all in all three of these movies of you think i mean obviously it's not like the joker answers to somebody but ultimately two-face ends up being the end focus and in the first movie it's like scarecrow scarecrow and then Ra's answers to Ra's and then fucking bane to talia al ghul <laughs> Oh God! Don't even get me started on Bane and Talia. Oh, that whole fucking friend mess. zone. <laughs> he can't even. It's so funny. He can't shut up when he's fighting Batman, and then as soon as Talia comes around, oh, he, he can't say even anything. say anything. Yeah. He's so afraid. He's just like so in love with Talia that he can't even talk. I know. Like, oh. <laughs> he's like he you, won't even stand up to her and say. No, I am going to kill him because, you know, for some reason I feel like I have to. He, he has to wait till she leaves the room and then he tells Batman, you he's know, like, I, you he's know like, I'm going to kill Even though he, in his mind, he knows they're all being blown up by a nuclear bomb. He's still <laughs> afraid to cross her yeah. right at the end. <laughs> I mean, he's been grooming her since oh, she was a child. A <laughs> and he, you know, he never, he knows, grooming, but instinctually he knows that Bruce Wayne fucked her and he can't even live with it. I know. <laughs> He's like, I never got a crack well, he was, at that. He tried to groom her. She was having none of it. <laughs> Just always at an arm's distance. <laughs> She's like, I don't know how you think we're going to kiss. Have you seen your face? <laughs> He's like, have you seen my cock? <laughs> um. So Two-Face takes... Uh, Commissioner Gordon's family hostage. Uh, he decides that the appropriate place will be the building where Rachel died. Gordon shows up and Dent decides to continue to play out this judging fate through a coin flip deal. As if we're not sick of that gimmick yet. Yeah, he spares himself, but then shoots Batman and tries to kill Gordon's son. Before he can, you know, Batman jumps in, uh, tackling Dent. Uh, they both kind of go tumbling off the side of the building. Batman manages to ha- hang on for himself, but he can't hold on to Dent, who falls and dies. Actually, no. Well, then eventually Batman falls too, but he's wearing body armor and he's Batman, so he doesn't die. I kind of right. wasn't sure because of, I guess maybe because they planted the seed with Commissioner Gordon faking his death. That oh, yeah. I, I wasn't sure 100% that Two-Face was actually dead. and that was, Oh, same. 
that was even a big, going into the yeah, next that was movie, a big yeah. discussion point and they oh, finally yeah, had we, to like squash that right and they were like no think, he's not gonna be in this I think movie aaron eckhart even said that like he he didn't know the fate of like I think yeah and i think yeah eventually and maybe he was told to do this eventually because people were annoying or right. whatever but they were like basically like hey why don't you come out and say that you had a conversation right that you're not in this movie <laughs> that we got to stop pretending that that's a thing that's going to happen yeah and ultimately although i was still kind of wa- the first time i saw the dark knight rises i was like i'm not putting it past him that he might show up in this <laughs> <laughs> it may have been one of those weird imdb tricks where he his face was appearing that's true because he yeah. his they use footage right. from the funeral right in the or whatever the movie, so, yeah. like yeah they probably did have to credit hit him in some way, so maybe it popped up on IMDb and it really threw people into a tizzy. But um, the big, you know, moment for Batman is he understands that to be the true hero is to not get credit for his heroic things. It's right. to do what is needed in that moment, and what is needed is to keep Harvey Dent's image clean, and so they can pin the killing spree on Batman instead. And Batman will have to, of course, go into hiding and not be Batman anymore in order to use Harvey Dent's name and ideas and image for the greater good and to, you know, keep that clean. Yeah, the Dent Act. Basically, Gordon and Batman are going to have to get their hands dirty to keep an idea clean. Which I always hate the way in The Dark Knight Rises that Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character just shames commissioner gordon for this it's always like you know well it 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 plays into that whole thing with like lucius fox being against this like sonar device thing it's like like you guys shouldn't have done that there's (laughs) in order to to be what you're claiming to be you have to be it you can't just break the rules secretly true and then claim to be the good side you know what i mean and oh i know what you mean ultimately it's kind of that idea of like well do the citizens deserve the truth more than anything else? Yeah, you're right. And even if the truth does more harm than good, it, it's it, it, it's one of those moral questions that's like at the center of Bat- the Batman character and, of course, these movies. Ultimately, Alfred burns a letter from Rachel. Oh, yeah. Uh, in which, you know, she says that she's going to choose to marry Dent, which, of course, doesn't matter now because she's dead. Yeah, um, although... Uh, Batman just so cocky about. Yeah, I love he, how in Dark Knight Rises he brings it up several times. He, about, he was like, "I had Rachel like right where I wanted her. We were ready to get married, Alfred. You don't even know accepting a proposal just from Harley, humiliating himself." Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Alfred knows the whole time, which I think is what really burns Bruce up when Alfred does reveal it. Oh, it's yeah. not that Rachel wasn't going to choose that, him; it was that Alfred knew and let him make I, an ass let of him himself. just strut around being like oh man i had it locked up with rachel oh <laughs> uh, alfred you can keep talking about your rubies the size of tangerines me meanwhile <laughs> when me and rachel were gonna be married we were gonna fire your yeah. lame ass yeah <laughs> um anyway of course you know how many years went by between the dark knight and dark knight rises like three like the actual movies yeah or, oh yeah, yeah. Three, and then in, in the story, it's supposed to be Seven? eight. Seven? Oh, eight, yeah. Or whatever, yeah. I think, truthfully, The Dark Knight Rises was maybe the most excited for a movie I ever was. I, it's hard to even remember a time that felt anything like that. Yeah, I kind of know what you mean. Um, 
you know, obviously getting in line for the IMAX hours before it started and still having to sit in terrible seats because there's so many people in front of us oh, already. I mean, gosh. it was just nuts. It's a nightmare. I hate being around that many people. It, I mean, it might have been the last time that I'd be willing to even go that early to a movie and wait in line. Oh, yeah. Um, and I know there are plot issues with the film and things that don't always make 100% sense, but I mean... BFD. People... It's a fucking movie about a guy that dresses up as a bat. I know. Well, that's the thing. Cause it's, uh, you know what? That first weekend it came out, I was out at uh, the bar, shockingly. Um, <laughs> and I heard this group of people talking about it. And this dude was like, I don't know, this is a young dude seemingly in his, like, in his 20s. And he was like going off, like ripping on the movie, being like, oh, it's so horrible. Like, it starts off with like Bruce Wayne's like walking around on a cane. It's like, and I was like, <laughs> I don't know. I just thought I was like stunned that he was making fun of it in that way. It's like, well, yeah. Well, anytime I mean, that people reveal their opinions, you end up finding out that they base their opinions on things that you're just like, what? Yeah. Like it's never even like people, unless you're talking about real critics, well, it's who, like you know, you, people that study film and spend their whole lives in it. If you think that that's like so hokey, ooh, you, you understand that like people don't really know anything and they form their opinions off of things that don't really matter well, I just or mean, make any sense. If you think sense. that that is like so hokey, then what, I mean, that's the, that's, that's a superhero. That's movie, one of the things that is yeah. great about it is that, it, and there's the scene, you know, where he goes to an actual doctor and his injuries are all listed out. And it's like, yes, that's what would happen right. to a fucking guy who was doing this. This yeah. isn't a superhero. This is a man right. dressing up like a bat. And fighting crime, he's getting fucked up while doing it. Yeah, that's believable, right? Yeah, I mean, it's never like you know when you hear people talking at Sometimes bars or just... comic book shops <laughs> where people are discussing this film. Yeah. It's never like things that are grounded in like critical reality like oh this right. person knows what they're talking about they understand and sometimes it's just this jump to you can just tell when people just want to be contrarian well yeah i mean there was definitely uh some room for backlash although i think w- at times we we ourselves over exaggerate i think this movie has a good score on rotten tomatoes right. it has a s- good score on imdb from the user reviews it's it's always like this vocal minority it was the same thing with it follows or watchmen or any of the other fucking times we flip out about this it's <laughs> always a very vocal minority well, no, and, and the thing is i, I don't mind if people, people uh, are like yeah i just wasn't into it but i'm just stunned because then it's like you hear other stuff that people will be into and you're like there's no way that that was better than the dark knight rises (laughs) yeah there's no way that any fucking iron man movie was better than dark knight rises well yeah that's absolutely true and i'm but i'm sure a lot of people feel that it is and those people you know (laughs) elected trump into office (laughs) (laughs) all right folks um this has been a marathon uh if you humored us for this long, you know, thanks. Thank you. If you checked out, obviously you're not hearing this, but hey, you know. No problem. Next week's a whole new deal. No hard feelings. Uh, I think we have something a little different in line for next week and the week after. And hey, who knows? There might be a new episode of Give Us a Second at yeah, any time. We've really had to pivot here and maybe change our plans going forward for the next few weeks. So it could be a surprise even for us. <laughs> who knows what's going to happen? Right. Uh, we thank you for listening. Uh, we, we thank you for uh, being with us for however long you have. Giving us a reason point. to go on past a year. Yeah, we're a year into this deal. Uh, 50 episodes, which is just unbelievable. Uh, and we appreciate all of the positive feedback we've received in various forms. Mostly 
text messages to Matt, <laughs> but sometimes I'll get it too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we would love to send you a sticker if you're interested. Uh, oh, absolutely. Reach out to us in any of the usual ways. And if you get a second and you haven't already done so, give us a review and a rating. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Greatest Pod, and uh, you know keep getting the word out there. I feel let us know. How I feel you... better about this show almost all the time. So I mean, except I, when I don't we think record it, any <laughs> except when we listen to it, right? Um, I don't think there's any slowing us down anytime soon. No, so and let us know if you're and... liking the uh, episode being consistently out on the same day every week. <laughs> If you not, we'll gladly know. go back to a week and a half. Well, I mean, I think, you know, that's inevitable no matter <laughs> what. I mean, no, I'm sticking to this. I, I, I prefer getting it out on the same day because it gives us more focus and keeps us on point. Yes, but, you know, that's true. Who knows what's going to happen down the road. But well, um, I also suffer from depression, so. Well, me too, starting today. <laughs> big time. Uh, all right. So uh, I guess that'll do it for The Dark Knight. Uh, you know, we... We chatted a little bit about the other ones as well. If you disagreed with what we had to say about it, please don't tell us because, <laughs> honestly, we don't care. I <laughs> feel like I actually did get in everything that I wanted to say regarding like all three movies and just my experience with these movies in general. Yeah, now you know uh, we can spend the next uh, week or two just watching the old Batman the Animated Series. I sat there just being bothered by this dude trashing The Dark Knight Rises for like these past few years. I finally got that off my chest. Yeah, I mean, I I did have a similar experience at a comic book store where, but that that whole thing was just I can't even remember what was said, but it was so insane that like it was hard to even wrap my mind around it because it it was almost that thing of like I prefer the Schumacher Batman or something. I can't even remember. It was oh something yeah, so that's insane crazy. To me. Whenever you were talking earlier, and I, this just came up in my mind again, but whenever. At some point when you were talking about the Heath Ledger Joker stuff earlier, the uh, Artie Lang bit popped in my head of when he was like, oh yeah, me and Heath Ledger had the same dealer, Mary-Kate Olsen. <laughs> oh yeah, and then like the, what was it like the... Narcotics uh, agents or something. FDA yeah. or yeah. DEA or somebody showed up. Somebody showed up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thinking he was being serious. He's like, oh, it was a joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, R.I.P., to uh Artie Heath Lang. Ledger. <laughs> <laughs> um he won the Oscar for playing the Joker, which was great. Yeah, I mean, granted, absolutely. I don't know if he I hate to say this. I mean, who knows if he would have won if I, he hadn't died. He deserved it either way. It just probably wouldn't have gotten the votes because people would have been like, We're not voting for somebody that's He might have gotten nominated either way. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he would have won or not. Who knows? But you know, he won and he deserved it and it was absolutely. great. And it brought and I think Batman Begins got nominated for a cinematography or something like that, and I'm not sure if Dark Knight Rises got nominated. Probably for effects and that oh, kind of yeah. stuff. But like, there was certain, there was definitely a, an elevation, and I think one of the big reasons that the Oscars, ex- you know, expanded how many pictures could be nominated for Best Picture was The Dark Knight because right. people were like, "Why the fuck isn't The Dark Knight nominated?" That was like a big yeah. outcry where people were like, "This is ridiculous," and that was back when they only had five nominees and they upped it. Obviously, it hasn't really resulted in any great happenings. <laughs> no, now there's that, too many. You know, now everything's nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> Suicide Squad. <is> <laughs> All right. Um, 
yeah, we're yeah, we we're rambling this at this down, point. We're 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 having fun. Yeah. I think for fifty one, we'll we'll try to keep it a little bit more yeah, reasonable. We'll tighten it back up. But hey, you know what? If once out of every fifty episodes, we want to ramble a little bit. I mean, we've always been you know on point all for all the other ones. Yeah. All right. Anyway, we'll uh, see you next time on the greatest moments in the history of forever. Peace. I saw a child playing with a ruby the size of a tangerine.